Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joined today, he's the co-founder of Diabetes Sports Project, healthcare executive sales director, and type one athlete. It's Eric Tozer. How are you doing today, Eric? Hey, I'm doing great, Alex. Thank you for having me. Thanks for the time. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Sacramento, California. Um, uh, grew up kind of playing every sport under the sun, um, you know, from 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 t-ball to basketball, soccer, swimming, um, golf, you know, you name it. I had an older brother uh, and a younger sister and you know, we were always outside doing something fun, right? Um, uh, played, kind of started focusing as I got older and just dialed into soccer. That became, you know, kind of my sport of choice, um, kind of later in high school and then went on to play soccer in college. Um, was captain of our team for a couple of years and we got to the national championship. Um, we lost, but uh, we still got there for the first time in school history, which was, which was, uh, you know, awesome in its own right. And, and, you know, just a, uh, you know, a bond and a team and experience that, you know, I'll never forget. Um, and I joke, half joke that, you know, what I learned in college through being on the team, teamwork, how to win, how to lose, uh, dedication. I mean, just, there's so much that we learn from sports and, um, you know, I joke that, uh, you know, I, I learned more on the field than I did in the classroom, which obviously isn't true. <laughs> I've got a wonderful education. Um, but, uh, you know, those those days were certainly special. And, um, yeah, I'm not, you know, 15 years later or so, gosh, 16 years later, still still close with a lot of those guys. And, and um, you know, it was an experience I'll never forget. But um, and then I was actually diagnosed with type one you know, a couple, a month after graduating from college. So it was uh, quite, quite the turn of events, I guess. You talked about all the different sports that you played. What made you want to focus on soccer? Yeah, I guess I, I wasn't tall enough to uh, keep my basketball <laughs> career going, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, my dad's 6'6", so I, I, you know, I think I lost that height gene. Um, I don't know, that's a good question. You know, soccer was just... I, I, I guess I was good at it. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I was, you know, it was, it was truly a, I love the game and, and, you know, I, I get that it's not maybe the most popular sport in America, but, you know, I can sit down and watch a game and it could be zero, zero, but still, you know, get a lot of joy out of it just because, you know, a 70 yard pass to somebody in stride might, you know, not look like a lot to, to kind of, a non-soccer fan, but you know, there's such skill and, 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 and finesse in the game. And I think it's a great team sport. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, something that we have two young girls and we've, we've introduced them to soccer. We're certainly not pushing it on them. If they want to play it, great. If they don't, great. Um, but, uh, it's, it's been a wonderful sport. I, you know, I was lucky enough to travel over to Europe and, and play over there for a bit. Um, we went down to Costa Rica during my college days and, and uh, played all the prof- professional teams there as sort of a spring training type type thing, which was a blast, obviously. So, um, yeah, it's just been, uh, yeah, it was kind of, I saw myself continuing to play and, and, and continuing to play uh, professionally. That was, that was sort of my track of where I was headed and uh, it didn't happen, <laughs> but um, you know, it's, that's, I wouldn't change the journey, right? Because I'm here today, and you know, I've got the two amazing kids, and 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 a wife and a family that you know I wouldn't trade for anything. So, um, 
yeah, who knows where it would have been if uh, things had taken a different path. Did you follow major leagues or the professional soccer teams or any athletes that kind of inspired your play style or things, how you were on the field? Yeah. Great question. Um, you know, so I, I grew up, to, I was born in 84, right? So, you know, my 10 to 20 year old days were, 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 uh, in the nineties, early two thousands and soccer wasn't as accessible as it is today, right? Social media isn't was what it is today. And so, um, I didn't get to watch a lot of soccer on TV, um, but the games that were on, uh, my name, I'll see, my name's Eric and, and, you know, during the nineties, uh, some of the only games that were on or that we could find at least on, on, you know, didn't get to pay for everything, but, um, were the Manchester United games. It was you know, okay. one of the biggest clubs in the world. So those, those games were on TV and there, you know, one of their star players was Eric Cantona, uh, a Frenchman forward who's one of, you know, just one of the greatest players ever. And, and so he's Eric the King. Right. And so that was for me, you know, he's got my name, he's on United and he just, he was an absolute just world-class player. And so um, I was not, nothing like him, <laughs> but he was, he was certainly, you know, just a joy to watch. And, and then, you know, that kind of transitioned into, into the David Beckham days. And, and, and I remember just loving the Brazilian team and Romario and, and kind of that, that old school group that were just, I mean, just a different level. And um, um, so I think you kind of combine all that into it. And, and it's just something that, um, I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't really one player, but, but um, I mean, I just nowadays, right. Like there's such insight and access to, to, to players and teams and um, it's pretty cool to see it, regardless of the sport. Right. I think we, that's one of the good things about social media just, just access to what we have is you get to see behind the scenes of the best in the world, whether it's art, science, uh, uh, sports, whatever, um, to see the best in the world doing what they do and how they do it, um, I still find fascinating and insightful and helpful and try to learn from different things that, you know, we pick up out there. Soccer was the first sport I got into, loved it. Then I kind of lost passion, but I never got involved watching it as much until like a few years ago today. And the first league I saw was the Premier League. It was on NBC yeah. Sports. I watched, I'm like, I'm so interested. But I was very familiar with Landon Donovan, who played for the Los Angeles Galaxies when he was playing. But I didn't pay attention to the MLS and those kind of teams. But lately, it's just enjoyable. And I think a lot of people say MLS soccer, it's so boring because there's not much scoring and stuff. But I go, I could watch it all day long. I mean, they're running up and down the field doing all these crazy passes and stuff. And luckily there's a team close to me now, which I haven't gotten to go yet, but it's now on like that bucket list. Okay. I need to go to sporting KC because it's only a few hours away, but I think it's just so interesting that both of us premier league was the first interaction with soccer as watching it and Mm -hmm. we're from america where mls is that major thing for us yeah and the mls is i mean it's been huge strides right i mean when i came out of um college i you had a couple trials with with a few teams um but and i think we've sent i don't know maybe six or so guys into the mls over to europe or overseas to play during 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 my time but um it was definitely uh, it's changed, right? And it, yeah. it's gotten so much better. The skill levels improved, and we're seeing that in 
in the national team, right? Our national team is getting more competitive, which, you know, it's just a, it's, it's a wonderful kind of thing to see as a, as American, as a, you know, kind of cheering, cheering for our team. But um, it's also really fascinating to, to see how sport can change and influence and impact the world. I mean, to, today more than ever, right? I mean, look, yeah. something going on, it's just, uh, just terrible, like right? absolutely as terrible as it gets. Everything going on in Ukraine right now, it's, it's, we could have a three hour discussion about it and, and, and it makes me sick to my stomach. And I think it's really fascinating and, and to see how, uh, and I don't know enough about it, right? I, I need to do more education, but just the impact that sports has, right? You see, um, I think FIFA has banned Russia from from some of their games, right? Which is huge. And and you know, so it just it's terrible. I mean, it's just it's ah, it just blows my mind. But um sport has the power to do so much and 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 just inspire and and, and bring communities together and people of you know, you step on the pitch or the court or the whatever it is, the field. You all abide by the same set of rules. There's yep. no there's no color, there's no, there's no religion. There, it, it, it's all level playing field, no pun intended. Right. And like, that's, I think what's so powerful about it. And I just love it. And it was Nelson Mandela had a great, great quote about, you know, sport and how it can change, 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 change the world. And that's something where, I mean, that kind of tied into why we started DSP. I, I mean, it's, you know, sport is, is, is such a, such a wonderful thing. And, and, um, you mentioned Landon Donovan. I actually had the chance to to meet him at a uh, at a type one diabetes event, ironically, here in San Diego. And that was one of those kind of um, it was right after I had done the World Marathon Challenge, and um, so he was, you know, in, we were introduced, and I was completely geeking out, right, because I was this guy <laughs> play in the West, and I, you know, cheered for him on the national team, and just everything you can imagine. And um, and so it was, it was it was really special to be able to meet him in person, and and uh, you know, he's spend time in California. And so that was, that was, that was pretty fun, but uh, um, yeah, he's a good dude. Growing up, did you have any motivators or someone that you were inspired by or someone that motivated you or an inspiration? Yeah. Um, I, I, I did. I, I think I was inspired by a lot of people. Um, you know, I, I, I know, you know, I, I was, we grew up watching sports, right? And so I think I had that, that sense of inspiration from, from athletes, just being excited by them, wanting to be a professional athlete. And that's, that was my like dream, right? Just to be, I, I think, to be able to dedicate yourself to one thing that you love and are passionate about um, and can just do every day is incredible. And, you know, again, whether that's sports or, you know, playing piano or, or acting, right. Whatever it is, I, I think there's, there's, that would be really cool. And, um, and so I, I definitely found inspiration and, you know, my dad's from Chicago, so we, you know, watch all the Bulls games and, you know, be inspired by Jordan and go out and play basketball in the backyard for just hours because of, because of that. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 um, you know, I find myself, I've got some amazing family and, and, and friends and, um and aunts and uncles that you know have have always been an inspiration to me but I don't think I realized that when I was younger I think looking back on it now you know kind of I can see that I was inspired by them but at the time when I was younger I don't I, I didn't appreciate it I don't think I really understood it um and so now I you know being being a parent being you know kind of in in this 
in our, in our diabetes space, I find myself being, um, being more uh, kind of in, in, in tune with the role that I may or may not be able to play to inspire others. Um, something I take incredibly serious and I will continue to play whatever role that is until um, I'm told not to, <laughs> you know, and if, you know, whatever I do, whatever I've done can inspire one person, one kid, one, whatever, then I'll keep doing it. But, um, you know, I, and, and then vice versa, right. I, I get inspired now probably more than I ever have because of diabetes. I think having type one is given me a greater appreciation for people overcoming challenges and ours is very obvious, right? It's type yeah. one and it's, it's, you know, um, but we all have stuff, right. Whether it's a heavy workload or tough, tough, you know, uh, depression or anxiety or alcoholism or cancer, or, you know, you, you name it, right. There's so many things that we're all trying to go through or, Oh, by the way, this crazy COVID couple of years, right. Like we all have a lot we're dealing with and, and we get through it. And that's inspiring. And I, I think that we don't always give ourselves enough credit, enough pat on the back, right? I mean, uh, we're doing it and it's not easy, but we're doing it. And, and, and I think if we all kind of take a step back, at least for me, right? Take, take a step back and be like, hey, you're doing a great job. It's not yeah. easy. We're doing it. And, and you know, let's, let's keep going. You mentioned earlier that your dream job was to be a professional athlete. Were you so focused on that being your main mission that nothing was going to stop you? You weren't going to go in any direction. There was no backup plan. So when you're in college, was it all about the sport or did you think, what happens if I get injured? What happens if this doesn't go the way that I'm wanting it to do? Yeah, good question. I, I didn't, you know, I think I was maybe naive, but I mean, clearly it didn't happen. <laughs> I'm, a, I, I'm a salesperson for in the healthcare space. Um, but I mean, that, that was a pretty, a pretty obvious choice. Um, you know, my, my, um, I have a family member who's, who is very, I'm very, very close with and, and, and admire and you know, talk about inspiration. It's something that I get a tremendous amount of inspiration from. And, um, you know, kind of coming off of my senior year of college, we were ranked number one in the country. We lost in the first round of playoffs. It was just oh. a, a terrible way to end a, a, any sport career, right? <clears throat> but um, it kind of coming off of that, and then a couple of weeks later, I had a conversation and, and was um, given a job offer. And it was the type of situation where I, you know, it made a, a ton of sense. It was kind of a no-brainer to do it. Um, I didn't really have somebody uh kind of in you know kind of sitting on my shoulder saying hey that can all wait go be a soccer player like go chase that dream go do it um and it's it probably sounds like an excuse but it it, it was it was more maybe just kind of a you know I I saw this as being the the right next step for me um and you know a month later I was diagnosed with type one so who knows what would happen if, you know, yeah. let's say I had went over to Europe and tried to go play and then I get diagnosed and then maybe that goes, you know, doesn't end up working out because of it or who knows. Right. But um, yeah, that was sort of my transition, I guess, out of the sports world. And, and, and now I'm able to fill that competitive kind of nature with just, you know, marathons or, doing the seven marathons or triathlon or, you know, kind of 
um, being competitive in other aspects of my life. You know, I'm a salesperson, so I bring that competitive nature to, to, uh, you know, work and wanting to be, um, you know, wanting to be the top salesperson, which, you know, helps drive, drive me in the professional space too. Similar to your experience where soccer was so important for you. When I was in college, I wanted to be a sports management major. I'm like sports business can't go wrong there. Loved both of it. And I think I'm going into college and I'm thinking, what happens if this doesn't happen? Because sports jobs is you got to be at ticket sales, the very bottom. And I'm thinking there's a lot more that I can offer. And so I just started finding things extra to like build that resume, build that skills. And then I get to college or um, the end of college graduating and there's not much out there. Or I got to move to a completely different state. And I tried applying for that. I'm glad I never did that because I don't know if I could be away from my family, 14 hour drive or something, but I went in a completely different direction. And I think it was the best decision for me. And so I think when you mentioned that you took that sales job, you kind of, you still found your passion sports later on, but you still get to do, you have that comfort of financial, but you still get to enjoy that athletic side that's been inside you forever. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, I still enjoy sports just as much as I did. Maybe, maybe more. Right. And, 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 you know, I still stay fit and try to stay healthy and, and use kind of sports uh, just in a different way. Right. I mean, I'm not in my young twenties and, you know, <laughs> if I, uh, you know, uh, walked out to get the mail the other day and, and our little neighbor buddy who's 10 was playing soccer. And so, you know, I, kicked her out for him for 30 minutes and, you know, probably be sore tomorrow, but um, you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, we all have to stop playing it sometime, <clears throat> whether you're, you know, Tom Brady and you're retiring at, you know, the age of 110 or, or, <laughs> or, you know, us, right. But um, you know, oh God, that guy's, I mean, talk about a career, right. To, to be able to do what he's done at that, at that high of a level is just unbelievable, but we all have to stop at some point. And, and, and for me, you know, that was, I'm okay. It was, it was a good time to start to, to stop it. You know, it, I, I think it set me up for kind of left a little bit of hunger, right. Cause I, mm-hmm. I, we didn't win the national championship and I, I, I didn't get to, you know, kind of continue my career on. So then it sort of left this drive or, or, or maybe just instilled that drive that never really goes away. I, I don't know. We'll find out. So what you're saying is when that kid was playing soccer outside, you didn't have that feeling where you want to do that. Wait, I, I'm going to, so all soccer players are going to get mad at me because I'm going to explain this horribly. <laughs> what is it that the wheel kick or something? It's like you go backwards and kick it. Bicycle kick? Yes, that. Yes. <laughs> you, you didn't want to try a bicycle kick, see if you still had it in you? I, I would I would probably pull a muscle, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So for listeners, uh, Eric and I both are going through similar rise to the challenge moment with type one diabetes. So Eric, I want to ask you, what was the moments leading up to the diagnosis? Did you notice something that was happening before you got the news? What was going on there? Yeah, I I was, I was completely naive. Um, I was actually traveling around Europe. So like I said, I just graduated college, went over to Europe for about two weeks. And during those two weeks, um, I lost 20 pounds. I was eating and drinking nonstop. Um, I, I, I didn't 
but I, I mean, I, I was, I, I didn't even know that those were symptoms to look for, right? I was, I was having to go to the bathroom, right? All the classic type one symptoms I was having, but I didn't know that they were symptoms. I didn't know anything was, didn't think anything was wrong, right? So I just assumed, you know, it's all the, these big German beers and croissants that's, uh, you know, <laughs> making me lose weight, but no. Um, uh, but I was very lucky, right? Because I came home in time to, 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 to be diagnosed as opposed to, you know, if I had been there maybe a week or two more, I probably would end up in, uh, you know, a French hospital or something, um, and then sent home. So, um, so I was fortunate to, to kind of be, you know, be able to come home and I actually stepped off the plane and my mom, my parents were there and my mom at the airport, she says, you look sick. I think you have type one diet. And and I explained to her what had been going on. She's like, I think you have type one. I have zero family history. Uh, I think I, I, oh no, I I take it back. I have a a second or third cousin, right? But, but no immediate family um, with type one or type two. So it was, it was truly a, you know, autoimmune response that, you know, something happened. Right. And it was a complete shock. Um, And, you know, so then it's like, okay, world's flipped upside down, but I can remember on the phone call with the doctor when I got the news and, and, and in that moment, I remember exactly where I was seated. I was at my, my parents' computer and, and, and I remember the phone, you know, and the doctor told me the news and, and I remember thinking, okay, okay, cool. Like this sucks. There's, there's no cure. It, it, you know, I'm going to have a, you know, deal with this the rest of my life, but what do I need to do to, to kind of take control of it and do what I want to do, live the life I want to live. And, and it was maybe a little naive, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't, I don't know much about this thing. I, I know that there's, you know, I got to take shots and check my blood sugar, but I'm still going to live whatever life I want to live and not let this thing control me. Right. And, and so um, I kind of, I credit those, those sports days, right. And being that competitor and, and just saying, okay, I don't, you know, I don't really know much about this type one diabetes thing, but I know it's, it's, it's not going to be as strong as me. And I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever I need to do and want to do and make it fit into my life as opposed to the other way around. So I got diagnosed when I was younger at 10 and you said you got diagnosed at 22. Would you have rather gotten it at a younger age and experience life sports at being an athlete with it? than you lived your life, you got through college, that kind of phase. And then after you got diagnosed, I always ask this question because every diabetic I meet, we all are in different ages, different stages uh-huh. of our lives. And it's one of those things, like, I kind of wish maybe I was older, but I think I liked being younger. So what would you say for you? Would you rather have been younger or do you think it was yeah, perfect it, timing? In a it's, that's a great question. And I, I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that it's sort of a split panel. Um, I think that kids, I work with, you know, I'm, I'm out in the community a lot, right? I think I've done a hundred keynotes in the last year, right? So I, I'm at children's hospitals, diabetes camps, whatever. And I, I work with a lot of kids and, and, and I see what they go through. And I, having not been a teenager, not being a middle schooler, to see what they go through. I mean, kids can be cruel they can be mean right and and you don't want to be the odd kid with you know some device on their body or you know that has to can't do this or can't do that right and 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 so to see what you know kids go through through those middle school and high school years and college years mentioned type one they are way stronger yeah mentally than any other kid teenager college kid out there because what we have to go through every day makes us that much stronger without even realizing it 
And so I think that there's, I think I got off easier, right? Cause I was, I was 22. I, I, I was, I was able to kind of manage it. It was less of a burden on my parents and my family. Um, I, I was able to go through those teenage years, middle school, you know, college years and, and not have it be something that was um, potentially very dangerous. And, 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 um, and, you know, I, people who were diagnosed, you know, 10 to five teenagers, whatever it is, you know, I, I hear those people say, well, you know, I don't know life without it. Right. Yeah. A good friend of mine was diagnosed said two, right. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't know a life without diabetes. So on that, I, I, I can understand how people say that, but um, I think that there's, you know, there's just a, 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 a challenge that comes with um, going through those early years with, with a pretty terrible disease that, that can be quite dangerous. And um, having had a moment where, you know, gosh, 2008, so it was only about two years and maybe three years, two, 2009. 2008. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was a couple years into my diagnosis and I ended up having a seizure in the middle of the night from a low blood sugar. Um, and you know, it was, thankfully my wife was there. Right. And, 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 you know, she was able to call 911 and they were able to come and, and help, but, um, gosh, you know, had I been traveling, had I been on the road, you know, who, who knows? Um, and that's, that's somebody who has, you know, good health insurance and access to tools. And so, you know, it's one of these things where, you know, thankfully after that, I was able to get onto a CGM and, and, you know, the technology certainly helps and makes management that much easier. But um, yeah, I, I, I think that if I could choose, I would be diagnosed later in life um, just because you then have the resources and um, kind of the ability to manage it um, maybe a little bit better, but I don't know. Right. Cause Type one parrots, they are freaking rock stars and, and, yep. and just, you know, absolute saints on earth and, and just goodness gracious what they go through. I mean, I can't even imagine and being a parent, I can't imagine they just the, the, the not 24 seven worry, which is just mentally, physically, and emotionally just draining and taxing. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. You talked about like inspirations back earlier in the interview and you just mentioned parents and I always have to thank my mom because I feel like I put her through so much with my journey as a diabetic. I mean, when I was living at home, there was a time where my whole spring break, I was in two hospitals because of, I'm not even going to try saying the word because they're all long words, but very high blood sugars all the time. I think DKG or... I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah. There's so many words that I can't even remember. But it, and then there would be times where she would have to, even at the young age, I change blood sugars at the doctor. She's got to wake up at 3 a.m. to make sure I do it. And then now living on my own and she's getting phone calls. And there's times where I was actually living away from her and I woke up, didn't know where I was. And I'm like answering phone calls for work and my boss was like worried because I didn't show up to work and I ended up having a seizure in the middle of the night and they rushed me to the hospital and she's two hours away. And she's like, I'm not working, canceling. She drove up. And this is so hard to like these parents and what they go through and they seem, they feel so helpless because they don't know what to do because 
we're the ones going through it. We know what our bodies are feeling. So I always had to thank her because I feel like she could have, I probably stressed her out. She probably has gray hairs because of me, because of the stress I put her through. But I, I feel that it's like life living with it. I've lived going, I'm going into my 16th year with it. And it's just, I don't know anything else. I mean, but I wish I got to experience college normally, but I think it taught me a lot. What's the biggest thing diabetes has taught you about yourself? Great question. Really good question. Um, I mean, I think that the, the, I remember I, 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 I gave a talk up at the Nike world headquarters and they have this sign on the wall inside one of the buildings and it says, um, you, you know, just do it is their slogan, right? And it says just D O and then N T Q U, but the N T Q U is, is crossed out and then I T. So it says just don't quit, but the N and the T and the Q and the U are crossed off. So it says, just do it. And I remember seeing this sign, and it was, this was like six years ago, and it stuck with me and still sticks with me. I took a picture of it and I, I see it regularly and, and it makes me kind of remember this, right? But when I was training for the World Marathon Challenge, I remember thinking about that sign and somebody had asked me, what happens if you quit? What happens if you give up? during this race, during the seven marathon thing around the world. And I, you know, I think they were maybe trying to be funny, but, but maybe also serious because it sounded crazy to them. And I remember thinking that we, as type ones, we can't quit as it relates to type one, right? If we quit, we die. Yeah. It's a harsh reality, but that's the truth. And I, I've, I've said this before, but I firmly believe it. Because of that, like we were saying, we get a little bit stronger every single day because we're getting through this challenge and we're facing it every day. And so when I was training, I was, I was, you know, I'd read everything I could and listen to everything I could as it relates to mental toughness and, and, and mental strength and everything like that. And, and then I thought of that factor that we can't quit. And so we are incredibly strong mentally and as soon as that kind of clicked with me, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a huge, that's a huge advantage. And, and, and so we kind of apply that to, to any, any facet of, of life, anything we, we face or need to overcome. I think we're stronger and maybe better prepared and nothing against people without diabetes. Right. But, but I think that we have this, this, this command and the strength that we don't always recognize and, you know, call it making lemonade out of lemons or whatever. Right. But like, I, I think that there is this strength that we get because I've seen it. I've seen it in kids. I've seen it in adults. I've seen it in, you know, people who, who, who do what we do. Um, and also it transcends diabetes, right? People who, who get through, we all have challenges that we face and people who get through those challenges every day. And I think it's a really uh, important reminder maybe to, to, to take a minute and just kind of recognize that because um, diabetes is hard and it's, people die from it. Right. And, yep. and, and we, who are, if, you, if someone's listening to this, that means that they're, you know, in a position to have either a phone or a computer or something. Right. So we're better off than a lot of people out there who manage this disease with, you know, just test trips and, and, and have to ration insulin. I mean, there's, there's incredible kind of inequities in, 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 in the diabetes world. And so, you know, how fortunate are we that, you know, 
we have CGMs and pumps and access to, you know, everything we can imagine here, here in the States. Um, um, so it's, it's, it's taught me so much. Um, but I think that that kind of anti-quit, that mental toughness has been one of the biggest, um, kind of made one of the biggest impacts on my life. And, and, um, and also just to not kind of take anything for granted. Right. I, I mean, life is short and it's cliche and it's corny, but it, it is so short. And I think having kids has kind of highlighted that for me because, um, you know, they're turning gosh, six and nine this year and it just, it flies by. And, and I think it's important to, um, to use whatever we have and whatever, um, you know, kind of challenges we, we were faced to, to not just get through them, but also maybe help others and, and inspire others and, and show others that, you know, I can get through this, you can get through what you're going through too. Right. And, and that's, that's something that I tell a lot of people was it relates to, you know, this seven marathon thing was, Hey guys, look, if I can get, if I can run seven marathons in seven days around the world, trust me, you can do whatever it is you're going after too. Talk about that journey, getting into marathon running and being an endurance athlete. Did it kind of go working well with you being into soccer and soccer? You're running a lot. So it kind of parallels perfectly. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, I joke cause I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I never, I never did cross country or track and field. So I, I still to this day don't feel like a runner. I feel I haven't, I haven't played soccer except for, you know, the neighborhood kids. I haven't played <laughs> soccer since 2006. Right. So, so it's been you know 16 years. Um, but what I mean is I don't feel like I, like a natural runner. I I've had to teach myself how to run. I don't have a coach. I I've kind of just make it up as I go. Um, so getting into endurance sports was very much an accident. Um, I had a boss, uh, back in 2000, um, gosh, eight or nine back in there. And, and he was a multiple Ironman guy and, and, um, he one day said, Hey, let's, uh, I'm taking a couple guys on a run. We're training. I'm helping them train for an Ironman. Why don't you come, you know, come and join us. And I was coming off, you know, I was relatively in, you know, kind of still my soccer shape. And so I did pretty well. They were doing a bunch of hill repeats and, you know, soccer players, we can normally run. And so I, I did pretty <laughs> well. And on the way back to, you know, jogging back to the office, he says, so do you know how to swim? And I'm like, yeah, I, I grew up swimming on a swim team. And he's like, do you know how to ride a bike? I'm like, well, I can ride a bike. I've never ridden anything beyond like a Huffy, but yeah. <laughs> and a couple of months later, he signed me up for uh, a half Ironman. Um, <laughs> and, you know, so I kind of just jumped in the deep end and um, that really, that's kind of how I got introduced to it. I enjoyed it and and the the culture and the, the lifestyle that it brings. Um. And then a couple of years later, I think, gosh, two years later, we, we did the run across America where, um, 10 of us total with, with type one diabetes, we ran from San Diego to New York city in 15 days. Um, it was about 24, 25 miles per person per day for those two weeks. And we ended on world diabetes day, which was pretty cool. So I think after that, I kind of couldn't ever say that I wasn't a runner anymore, <laughs> um, but, um, but it's still, I mean, I, I, you know, kind of have progressed there over the last 10 years to, to just, I've done a few marathons. Um, I think I've done three marathons. Um, 
And then I did the world marathon challenge. So, you know, I more than doubled it in that effort, but that was part of the reason I did it, right? I wanted to do something that was way beyond my kind of comfort zone and just out there in terms of like, I don't know. I mean, I, most people probably think I can't do it because they're probably, you know, somewhat right, but I'm going to do it because it's so much bigger than me. And it's not just about me. It's about our community and showing people, you know, like we said, right. If I can do this and you can go sign up for swimming or go to ballet class or whatever it is. And, you know, take away some of that fear, add some confidence. Um, but yeah, endurance sports in general running. I mean, you know, I, I'm, if I do, you know, when I'm training, I'm up at five, um, getting training in before the kids wake up so I can do breakfast and get them to school. And, um, and, you know, before I start work. Right. And so if you're doing that, then that means you can't be up, you know, drinking every night and staying out late and partying. And so, um, it's just kind of a healthy lifestyle and, and that's something that I appreciated about it. And I like about it, um, is that, you know, it, it, it's a healthy balance and, you know, stay hydrated and, uh, eat well and get lots of rest and focus on things that I think, um, are important. And, you know, I have to work hard so I get my work done so I can play with the kids and I play with the kids so I can, you know, be a good dad and, and, and do everything else. And kind of, it all just kind of feeds in. With diabetics, sometimes the blood sugars, insulin sensitivity plays in a factor with working out and athletics. Has that ever been a challenge for you when you're training for a marathon or you're preparing for an athletic competition? Oh my gosh. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I, I, I would be a wealthy man if I had a, if I had a nickel for every time, uh, diabetes got, got in the way. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, I can remember days where, uh, I mean, it, it literally happened this week where I was rushing, you know, I had a, I had like a 60 minute window between a couple meetings and I'm like, oh, I'm going to head out for like a quick 40 minute run. And I'll be able to get back. And I didn't have the foresight to, to check my blood sugar to see where it was trending. Um, and I get a mile out and I, my blood sugar is crashing. Right. And, and so it was one of the, one of the few times, I mean, it, it doesn't happen often, right. Cause with the devices we have now and, and, you know, we have great insight and great, great, um, technology and algorithms and you know from you know i wear a tandem pump and that can help kind of auto regulate how much insulin is being delivered or not delivered um i wear a dexcom cgm so i get that you know every five minutes i get a a reading and a trend arrow and i mean that's that's yeah, incredibly helpful so it's really the onus is on me to, yeah. <laughs> to kind of have 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 messed that that one up but um but i think that there's you know the way i've kind of looked at it right is that um, I really don't like the word failure. I, I think it's like kind of a bad word. Right. But I think it's yeah, like Jordan said, right. We, we, we either win or we lose or, or we either win or we learn. And that's how I've, that's kind of been my approach to diabetes management. Right. I used to get pissed. I'd get mad if, you know, my blood sugar was out of whack and I had to not do something because of it. And then I had just that little mindset shift of like, okay, I'm not going to get mad. I'm going to use this. That's an opportunity to change something so that it doesn't happen again, or it happens less. And you do that enough, you make enough of those little changes that's going to add up to bigger and bigger improvements. Right. And, and, and so um, that's been something that I've kind of given myself 
a break on, I guess, so, so to speak. And again, this now we're going back to, you know, being competitive and being competitive with myself and being competitive with my type, my type one. But, um, but that, that sort of shift of, you know, wanting something to uh, be a learning opportunity and, and, and so it doesn't happen again or it can happen less uh, was a, was a good shift for me. I think learning is the biggest thing that I've experienced because when I first was working out, I felt defeated if my blood sugar wasn't staying good throughout the time. And I wasn't doing um, the sensor at the time. I've only started doing the sensor recently, but this last year I've been on a huge fitness and health journey on myself because one, I knew I needed to do it for myself to feel confident and it's been amazing. But when I have those moments where I'm getting on my bike and blood sugar is already low, I'm like, well, now I don't feel like doing this now. And I just feel horrible the rest of the day because I didn't get that workout and I don't feel good. But it gave me a time that health and my safety is important because I didn't want to get on that bike and I just go completely low throughout the 45 minutes doing it. So it's definitely a learning experience. And I think every diabetic that I've even talked to that does fitness, they are always learning because everyone's different. You can't say you have to do it this way and it's going to be the same. Everyone's lifestyle is so different. And I think we all learn and it helps us grow as individual. I think it's just, like you said earlier, it makes us stronger. Because every diabetic, they're just stronger each day that they're able to learn and achieve something through it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you said a couple of things there that that really resonate, right? It is so different. When we did that run across America, it was 10 of us all, I mean, I think we were within the ages of 25 and 45, maybe young 40s. We all did it differently, right? I mean, there, there was another guy, we were almost the exact same age, exact same height and weight, and we did it crazy difference right and so it's it is such a unique disease i don't and i think until you're you have it or you're in it you you kind of think oh type 1 diabetes is just a general thing that everyone has the same you know kind of um response to but um uh, another thing i would add is not to give yourself a hard time right if if one workout defines our success or not yep. then i you know we'd all be so we'd all be done. Right. <laughs> and, and, and that's kind of, I had the exact same thought that you did this week. When I, when I had that situation happen, I didn't get the run. And by the time my blood sugars were back up, I had to jump into my, my meeting. And so I missed it. And it was, I, I was kind of, you know, frustrated, but then I'm like, you know what? One day doesn't matter. It, yeah. You know, if this happens every, every day for a week and I miss a whole week of training, now that's a different story, but one day isn't going to matter. And, you know, I think that we a need to give ourselves that break. So you need to give yourself the break and, and just think that that's, again, it's going to help for that next time. Right. So that maybe 30, 45 minutes before that next workout, you guys down, see what your numbers are and kind of prepare ahead of time. Um, but also, you know, being in, being in that situation enough times where the next time it happens, you can say, okay, you know what, I'm going to take, I'm going to have, you know, this gel here. Cause I know it's going to bring me up fast and I'm going to go fill my water bottle for five minutes and maybe, you know, just stretch for, for five more minutes. And then, then 10 minutes later, your blood sugar is back up and maybe you could do it. I don't know. Right. But I think being in that situation enough gives us that confidence and that kind of skill set to, to adapt to whatever situation type one is going to throw at us because, it's going to be different. It's going to be different for you and me. And, and, and I think that's, you know, kind of the power of 
one of the good things that, you know, social media can bring, right. Is that, that, and again, this is why we started DSP was that knowledge base of, of all those experiences is incredibly helpful. And, and I don't think people should have to pay for that. Right. Like, so if, if, you know, we've all been through it, you've been through it, so you can help educate people. You can kind of share just in sharing your story and sharing that story alone, you can help somebody out there, which is, I think is really cool. You talked about that you got the opportunity to do seven marathons and seven continents. Is there a specific moment that was kind of of that experience that was like, wow, I'm running across this area or this spot that you wouldn't think that you would get the opportunity to? Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, kind of the whole thing, right? I, I was very conscious of, and I will give you an answer, but I was so conscious of, of, the fact that, you know, how often do we get a, the chance to push ourselves to a limit that we're not sure where it is. Right. Um, B, you know, kind of having call it 10 days to be away from work or away from family. I mean, it it was this, it was a time where I was very appreciative of it because I I knew it's a rarity and I, you know, I, I, it, it added, you know, extra stress at home right because now you know we've got two kids in my, so you know I'm not yep. I'm not there to help and it takes time away from work and and so that's I'm gonna have to get caught up there so it was, it was I was very mindful of wanting to maximize the opportunity and I was pretty kind of narrow vision on it right and, and like not not I, I was so clear on what my purpose was and, and what my my job was to do that I I, I really didn't I kind of had blinders on in a sense but at the same time I mean so we went you know we went Antarctica Cape Town South Africa Perth Australia um, Dubai Madrid Spain Santiago Chile and then Miami Florida wow seven amazing places around the world and you know I'm going to have to go back to all seven because we didn't really see any of it. Right. <laughs> but um, um, I mean, the, the, I, I could tell you 10, two minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes about each one of them. They were absolutely incredible on their own. Each one was so unique, but I, I mean, Antarctica was probably the biggest um, like just sit back and enjoy this for a minute type of place because it's Antarctica and you know it, it's it was so different it was the only place where I ran without headphones just because I I wanted to experience every bit of it and every kind of slush of the snow or the sound of the wind whipping around and and you know it's just it's complete white um not a sound there's nothing to see it was this little like science research station um obviously in the middle of nowhere in Antarctica and um and it was but I remember just kind of I was getting off the plane and, and we ran essentially a loop around the runway so we ran it 11 times or so 11 and a half times around this big kind of oversized track if you will and I remember just sitting there looking and kind of you know being at one end of the of the oval and for a minute kind of just being alone because you know there was we were spaced out enough where we weren't all kind of on top of each other i remember looking around just thinking like this is this is pretty cool right to be 
as far away from anybody and anything as I'll ever probably be in my life. Right. And, and, and doing something as cool as, you know, running the marathon. Um, so that was probably the one that kind of jumped out. I mean, each of them though, I mean, like Cape town the next day. So we went from sub zero temperatures to almost a hundred degrees temperatures the very next day <laughs> in Cape town. Um, and that was absolutely stunning and beautiful. Ran along the water there and you see, you know, Table Mountain and Lionhead. I mean, it's just the 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 scenery there was was stunning and a place that I've always had always wanted to visit. Um Australia, the same thing. Dubai was really cool. We ran um a one mile stretch along the water and going one direction, it was uh the background was or the the what we were looking towards was the um sailboat building and then when you turn and go the other direction the backdrop drop was the Burj Khalifa so you know these two pretty iconic buildings and it was middle of the night I'll never forget the the, the Burj Khalifa is so tall that it was above the clouds and it was lit up at nighttime so you could see like the lights of the city the clouds and then the Burj Khalifa is still sticking out on top of it. it was it was it was pretty cool um uh and then i mean madrid we ran on the, the formula one racetrack that was you know it's oh. like 2.1 i think it was 2.1 mile loop um and uh a, a group of um a group of uh chinese supporters came out for some of the for some of the participants and and they they were just full like cheering section there's probably 30 of them and, and just they were at the same spot of the course every time and, and then they went and cooked food for everybody and it was oh it was so delicious and it was just you know one of those one of those things that you don't expect you don't plan for and just you know kind of an un, unforgettable moment um but i think i i mean i think that the a single moment that for me is one that i'll never forget was um the oh man the final 20 steps in miami um my wife and girls were there and uh <laughs> uh i somehow had the thought to you know bring them in and, and 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 kind of walk the last you know 20 yards with with my daughters um and so that is something that hopefully um i know for me it's uh, it's obviously <laughs> uh unforgettable I'll, I'll take that one to my grave but um just unforgettable moment that i i certainly cherish and and having them there and um hopefully they can remember that one and and um i think they do they've said they do so that that probably if i could sum it up and just pick one memory it, was, it would be just just that a little bit during your time running in each place, when you're thinking about you're a diabetic and you're accomplishing these different areas and sending a message to all diabetics saying, we can do anything. Was that kind of an honor for you to be out there and saying, we're able to do anything we put our minds to look at all the athletes, look at all the big CEOs that have diabetes, that we are able to accomplish everything that we want. Hundred percent. I, I feel so privileged to be in the space. I mean, I, I, like I said earlier, I'll do it till they tell me not to. I mean, I think yep. that the wonderful thing is that I, I'm inspired by countless people out there in the diabetes community, right? And and I think it's it's been wonderful to get into the community more. Um, 
you know, I mean, there's so many examples that I could list off, right? People in, in sports and, and, and culture and, 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 and science and, and, and the arts and, and music. I mean, they're, they're everywhere. And it's just, I mean, you, you Google type one diabetes and you find, you know, how many people, right. And so it's, it's really cool from that regard. I think that to see how our community's grown and the cool, what I think is really, really important is, such a shuttle uh, a subtle word change but people used to say can i do this with type one and i I used to hear that for years and now i'm starting to hear and i'd be curious to hear if you think this too but i'm starting to hear how do i do this with type one right and just that one word change can and how people no longer think like i can't do something with diabetes or if they do it's maybe fewer and fewer people people are starting to say how do i do this with diabetes and that I think is a really important point to make that people that that stigma of I can't do stuff because I have type one. I think that's starting to go away. I hope it is. Um, but I, you know, again, I mean, we it's it's you know it's these amazing examples around the world that 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 kind of lead by example. And I was incredibly privileged, and I I didn't know what the response was going to be. Right, I, I kind of put it out there on on Instagram so and Facebook, I think, and, and said, Hey, I'm gonna, you know, do this seven marathon thing and and you know, <laughs> here we go. Um <laughs> and, and I didn't know, you know, people were gonna follow or are they gonna care? Are they gonna think I'm, you know, silly or you know. Um and then it wasn't until um Cape Town, so the second marathon, that I started to see the response because we didn't have Wi-Fi on the plane. And so we had a plane with us the whole, the whole, the whole week. And so we would land in whatever country, everybody would turn their phones back on and, you know, get caught up on texts or phone calls or whatever. And so it wasn't until the second day that I, I started seeing the messages come through and, and really saw that oh, people are, you know, finding this cool. And, and, you know, and, and then the messages came through. So I would read every single one in, you know, that, that, hour or two hours or three hours or whatever it was from the the landing in the country to starting the race um and it fueled the hell out of me right to to see that people were excited by it and, and getting something out of it um 100 helped me help me finish it and and again i've said it before like that's why i did it and so it was it was that kind of why you know people talk about in books and stuff right like go find your why for me, that was so obvious. And, and so I think it, it was a, it was a true kind of driver to my success. For me, it was, I, before, when I first, the first few years, I can't do this. Like, I'm not going to be able to because of the diabetes. And as I gotten older, I'm always like, I'm going to do this. How can I adapt to make sure I do this? Because I'm not going to let something that, because when people look at me, you, you probably can't tell I even have it. But if I'm showing you the devices, they can now understand what I'm going through. And when I tell them, okay, I have to adapt to be able to, they're like, oh, that's fine. And I think I'm going to, pr- I always say, when I was an athlete, I'm the wild card. I'm the underdog. So I'm always trying to prove people wrong because people underestimate underestimate me. And that's what I like is, People doubt that I can't do it, but then when I do it, they're like, wow. And so mm-hmm. that's how diabetes has taught me that nothing's going to stop me from doing anything I want. I'm going to get out there. I just have to tell myself, you go do it. 
That's right. That's exactly. And, and, and figure out how to do it. Right. I, I, I love that because it, the body will do what the mind tells it to. Right. I mean, obviously there's standing waiting in circumstances, but for the most part, right. If we, that whole badge, right. Set, set your mind to doing something, right. It's so true. And I think that there's such strength and I'm sure you could talk to any high level athlete or coach or sports psychologist or whatever. And they would agree. It starts with the mind, and I, I, that's such an important part to get. It's just, you know, and, and hopefully people are seeing that now, right? They're seeing, yep. you know, Mark Andrews in the NFL or Jordan Morrison in the MLS or, you know, uh, I mean, there's so many examples out there now. And I think what it's done is just what you said. It's kind of taken some of that doubt, that question. I think there's always going to be that concern and that fear, which there should be because it's a, it's a dangerous thing. And we've both, we've both, you know, had, had tough, um, tough experiences with it. And then, you know, I don't want to say near death, but near death experiences with it. Oh yeah. And uh, like you said, I've, I've, I've said that same thing before, right? People look at you, they look at me and they think, well, here's a, you know, relatively healthy person. And, and, you know, but you know, little do they know one click wrong or two clicks wrong of the, of, of insulin, or, you know, you get a, you know, you mistakenly get a, a full sugar drink instead of a diet drink or whatever. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's, that's going to be a huge problem. And um, so there is that opportunity, which is another reason I kind of do what I do, right. Is to, to educate, not just type ones, but, but the world as kind of a whole, right. To, to say, Hey, there's, you know, there's two types of diabetes. There's type one, there's type two. And, 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 you know, this is what this is. This is what that is. And um, yeah, there's, there's lots of, uh, Lots of important work to do, I guess. I would like to transition into your content creation. As we started out professionally networking, and that's how we were introduced to each other, to now we're connected through social media platforms, your content that you create is very, I would say, entertaining and positive within the diabetes community. I always remember there was one that you were doing something with making a drink, and it was during the summer. You probably okay. post a lot and it's just, oh, yes, that, yes. yeah. it just stuck to me because it's just positive with what you were doing with diabetes <clears throat> and the creation, but talk about the diabetes sports project and the network that has gone around with it. And plus social media is a great way where people all over the States and even all over the world can post and showcase the diabetes community. Yeah. Social media. I, I, you know, I'm, I have a love-hate relationship with it. <laughs> I feel like I'm terrible at it, but uh, um, yes, I remember that that uh, that that post, and we made a summer summertime cocktail, and our our house has kind of become, um, I think, especially during COVID, right? Where uh, you know we're so lucky that we have a backyard and we have a pool, and we're just so fortunate, and and um, and so we we welcome you know our friends and family, and our bubble during COVID was was pretty tight. And so, um, they, you know, it was, it was essentially, um, 10, 12 of us. Right. And, and, and that, that was our bubble. And so we all did stuff together and almost every weekend. And so, um, and it was wonderful, right. Just to, and again, we're just so lucky to kind of have our health and our jobs and, and be able to have gotten through it together. Um, and so that was sort of one of our, uh, I think we almost did it as like a joke, like, you know, um, <laughs> Like how fun would this be to, you know, kind of create this cool, fun, fun, fun drink. So, um, you know, I, I put stuff out there that I, I feel like I don't, you know, I know I don't post a lot. I, I don't post every day. Right. Cause I, 
I try to say something when I have something to say. Yep. Um, you know, um, I, I've struggled, you know, not to, you know, get too deep here, but this, this, I had a, my best childhood friend, um, committed suicide. Um, the first, you know, is December 31st. Um, you know, so kind of a, a tough start to the year, right. For, for all of us who know him. And, and, um, I, I went a while without really knowing how to deal with it, how to handle and process those emotions and those feelings and, and what to say, what not to say, well, I, I just, and I'm still working through it. Right. It's, I, from my understanding is it's, it's a process and it, everybody handles it differently for different periods of time. And it's, it's a unique thing. Right. So, um, so I've been, you know, somewhat kind of struggling with it. Cause I, I, I think that social media is wonderful, but then, you know, at the same time with everything going on, like, I don't know. I kind of, on the same time, like I have a hard time posting about, you know, my run when there's a war going on. Like I just, I kind of, kind of struggle with it. So I, 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 I think that there's, there's, there's a need for, for social to media to be um, positive and encouraging and real you know I don't I think that it's there's I don't know and I'm probably sounding too negative about it all but I think it, I, I I post that that I feel like if my girls were to see this then they're you know six and nine right but in 10 years if they were to see what I post how would they feel about it how, how would I feel about yep. them seeing this um or you know insert whomever in there you know a kid with type one um who looks up to me like what if he sees this post how, how or she how, how are they going to feel about it right or their parents um or my boss all right so i try to i don't know i i probably overthink things i know i do but um i try to be mindful of what i post and have it be hopefully important to somebody um I should probably do more just like fun, goofy stuff and just <laughs> post all the time. But, um, but you know, it's, it's given us this great ability, like you said, right. To connect with people and, 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 and form relationships. I mean, that, that are not I mean, there, they can be just as important as physical next door neighbor type stuff as it can be virtual. And I think that there's great power in that. And to know that, whatever we're going through positive or negative, you're, we're not alone. And I think there's, there's tremendous um, power in, in, in that community. Um, you know, we started diabetes sports project um, uh, with eight of us all with that same focus and that mindset of, you know, as cool as it is that we've done this or that, or the other thing, if we don't use those as a way to, inspire to help you know empower educate right pull our knowledge base together to to help other people kind of missing the big picture um i'm really proud of dsp because we are run 100 on volunteer basis meaning myself you know and everybody involved doesn't no one takes a penny from it so any money we raise goes towards creating you know community events um, where we bring the type one community together, we help pay for people to be there and do it because 
Type one's crazy expensive, right? I mean, you know, anybody, yeah. I mean, you, you saw the state of the union, right? Or, you know, I mean, it, type one insulin prices, device prices are just unbelievable. I can't count the conversations or the fights, I guess I should say, with insurance that I've had on the phone, right? Just, it's it just, it's absolutely criminal. And um, so we are, our thought is bringing the type one community together to take part in whatever, a Ragnar relay or, or a obstacle run or a marathon or whatever it might be, um, is incredibly powerful and, and can truly change lives. And we've seen it. I, we have the emails and the letters to, of, of, of thanks to prove it. And so if we can remove that monetary kind of, uh, uh, component of it and, and get it, you know, so people can do it for free, then we should do that. I wish other organizations would do that because to make somebody raise $10,000 to run a marathon with them. I, I, I can't do that. I I've never been able to participate in something like that. Cause I can't go ask or raise $10,000. I mean, shit, if I'm going to raise $10,000 that could help pay for my insurance. I mean, for, for, yeah. for, for my insulin or help pay for insulin for people who need it and who can't afford it. So I don't know. We're trying our best. We're trying to lead by example and, and say, Hey, this is one way to do it. Um, you know, because we don't do it the way that other organizations do it. Our, our, our bank account is probably, um, many, many, many commas less than the others. That's okay. (laughs) Right. I, 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 you know, we fully support fundraising for every and any organization out there. You want to raise money for DSP? Great. You want to raise money for J J F anybody else? awesome. Like I can't count the amount of events I've done to support those organizations. They're wonderful and they're so important. Um, we've just taken the stance of trying to do stuff that's different and can bring people together regardless of their economic situation, because there is such inequality in around the world, but you know, here in the States alone. Right. And, and so if we can do that, great. Um, we've, I think we, we've grown from, you know, the eight of us to over 150 athletes now around the world, which is really cool. Um, all walks of life, all kind of, you know, from, from Fiona, who's a world-class world champion, stand-up paddleboarder to, um, you know, uh, Casey, our co-founder, who's done like 14 Ironmans, um, uh, Nicole, who she, she won a marathon, um, Sophie, who, who just last month won a half marathon. And he's an incredible athletes out there whose stories, hopefully, and, and I know they do, cause I get messages every day about them, uh, inspire and, and change, change lives, right. It changes how people view this disease and how, parents view their child's future which i mean what literally could be more important than that right and, yeah. and so that's something that, that that we're really excited about and proud of um you know we've had a a, a, a frustrating hiatus um because of covid and just we err on the side of caution just because you know, we, we don't have a bank account. If something does happen to, to, to help pay for whatever medical bills, and that's an unfortunate reality, but, um, you know, when, when you don't have millions in the bank, um, yep. you're somewhat limited. So, um, probably going to get me in trouble for saying that, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we can stand behind it and with, with confidence and, and, and know that we're trying to do the right thing. And, um, uh, you know, like I said, if we can help one person, great. Um, 
and anybody else is is gravy on top of that. I think social media has played such a big part for me with connecting with other diabetics. I think just learning and hearing about other stories and what they go through and just learn. I think we talk about learning a lot in this interview and I've had the chance to meet through social media and then get to interview them. And it's just amazing just to hear everyone's story because we're all different, but continuing that through social media and how I can see what you've done or what you're doing and how you can see what I'm doing. And we're just learning more about each other. It's just, it's amazing because you can connect with people all over the world. And I think during this time, it's so important that we're there for each other. And the diabetic community is just so supportive, no matter where we're located and what we're all going through. I think it's just amazing what you guys are all doing. Yeah, everybody too, right? I mean, it's, it's you know, people often ask, like, how do I become part of DSB? I'm like, you kind of already are, right? Just the fact that you have, it's, it's not about being faster, the fastest or, you know, doing this race or that race. It's, it's, it's about the, that, that outlook of, like you said, right? I, I have this disease and I'm not going to let it stand in the way of accomplishing whatever I want to and, and whatever I, whatever goal I'm going to go after. I'm going to not let type one stand in the way of, of, of going after it. And um, we're going to be there to help coach and educate and, and, and encourage uh, for the whole thing. So what does the future look like for you? What are you hoping to accomplish both personally and professionally in the next few years? That's a, it's a great question. Um, <laughs> I, uh, anything in the books, another, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's some pretty cool things in the works. Um, I can't really talk about just yet, but, um, no exclusives. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I wish, um, uh, yeah, we've, we've got some, some pretty, a pretty massive thing that, that we're, we're working on. Um, and if it, if it happens, it's going to change the diabetes space in a pretty major way. And we're really, really excited about it. So um, that is uh, hopefully going to be um, going to be kind of the next big thing. Um, you know, there's lots of stuff happening out there. Um, you know, I think after being, you know, kind of a, in this space for the last 15 years, um, and, you know, going and speaking, um, I've honestly lost track, which is a great thing. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm, I'm more than happy to pass the torch to, 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 to whoever else, but, um, I, I don't have, you know, outside of, you know, if this big thing, um, ends up happening, um, I'm not entirely sure, you know, I'm, I'll, you know, my kind of priorities are my family and, 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 um, and my career, right. Family and, and, and staying healthy and my, you know, kind of working hard at what I'm doing and, and whether that's, you know, the seven marathon thing or, um, being a dad or being a salesperson, um, kind of just giving that a hundred percent. So I know it's not the most exciting answer right <laughs> now, but hopefully, um, in the next month or two, we have a very exciting answer I can give you retroactively. 
I mean, everyone I asked, everyone has different ways that they answer that question. Because when I say a couple of years, day by day, we don't know what's going to happen. Anything can happen nowadays. But the final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? Short answer, don't let anything stand in your way. Type one or not, there's no need to let it stand in the way. Um, Are there different ways you need to handle it because of diabetes or any other challenge? Yes. But I think that we as a community have that confidence now that the seemingly impossible can be achieved. Um, it's a, it's, it's, it's sort of, we're all, we're already getting through the challenge. We do it every day. And so now it's, you know, kind of just putting that goal, make it as big and scary as possible. Why not? Right. We, that's, what's so powerful. So we have the, we have the, the choice to go after whatever we want. Right. And, 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 and address any situation in the manner we want. Right. Yep. Um, I think that there's such power in that. And that's such a cool thing that we can say, okay, Hey, this, this is happening. Do I want to be mad about it? Do I want to be happy about it? Do you know, how do I want to, we have the choice to react to things the way that we want to and, 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 and uh, set goals that we want. And, and that's a really cool thing. I tell it to my six, my five-year-old, my six-year-old, right. And say, you know, Hey, uh, her birthday is this weekend. That's like, <laughs> um, um, I know how, how old she is. Um, but that, you know, kind of setting a goal and then when you hit it, set another one and, and just keep going after that. And, and I think that we have the skill set through managing type one to be, able to go after whatever we want and and hopefully people see that there's resources out there i'll put myself in that category to reach out to and say hey any advice for doing this or doing that and and you know like you said right through instagram or whatever we can have these connections that can help us um achieve whatever we want in life Well, Eric, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thank you so much for having me, Julie, and and all that you do for for, uh, not just our diabetes community, but community as a whole. Um, I'm a big fan. So thank you for having me on. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms. And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the full-length episode and video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.